Listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, February 8th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Alaska Supreme Court Chief Justice Peter Mawson delivered his first State of the Judiciary Address Wednesday to a joint session of the Alaska Legislature. During the half-hour address, Mawson took through a variety of success stories from the past year that he said improved the court system's accessibility and efficiency. He pointed to a Supreme Court order that took effect in November, making many court hearings remote by default. For example, most evidentiary proceedings in criminal cases and other types of cases that involve trial or evidentiary hearings uh, are presumptively in person, whereas a lot of hearings involving things like the status of discovery, scheduling, and settlement are presumptively remote. Mawson said he also recently urged judges around the state to make more use of restorative justice programs. Restorative justice may include circle sentencing or another culturally based practice that incorporates input not just from the victim but from the community at large and it may result in a recommendation to the judge as to what the sentence should be. It's another way to help Alaskans see the court system as a part of the community, reflecting its values and not apart from it. Mawson also highlighted some other recent changes, including one that simplifies tribes' legally mandated access to hearings for Native children in need of aid. A Washington state-based conservation organization is asking the federal government to list king salmon in southeast and south-central Alaska under the Protection of the Endangered Species Act. The Wild Fish Conservancy filed a 68-page petition with the National Marine Fisheries Service on January 11th. The same organization also filed a lawsuit against the National Marine Fisheries Service in 2020, arguing that the agency's authorization of the Southeast Alaska King Salmon Troll Fishery was in violation of the ESA and should be permanently shut down. That suit remains in litigation. KCAW's Robert Woolsey recently spoke with Nat Hers, an independent reporter with the Northern Journal, to learn more about the Wild Fish Conservancy's petition to list king salmon as endangered. It could end in 30 days with uh, with the National Marine Fisheries Service saying, we don't think that the information that you've presented here shows that there's a you know significant or imminent risk of extinction. And so then it's actually case closed unless... Wild Fish Conservancy, the organization that's pushing for this, decides it wants to, I guess, you know, file a lawsuit or some kind of appeal. If they actually accept the petition, then that would start like a a year long review process. Um, and then uh, and then within another year, if they decide that it it is merited, they would publish like a proposed rule uh, request for public comments. And I think there's some process around designated critical habitats. So I think if there was a, a listing that was going to happen, it would not be happening for at least two years. But, you know, these things, I think, very often get bogged down in litigation and um, appeals. And so, yeah, I don't think, you know, we have to worry about fishing season getting shut down in Sitka or anywhere else because of this anytime in the near term. Do you think the ESA listing is connected at all to the the uh, the lawsuit from the Wild Fish Conservancy and uh, I guess their long-term strategy of trying to protect the population of southern resident killer whales in Puget Sound by ending southeast commercial trolling for Chinook? I think that there are some interesting and important questions that are raised by the Wild Fish Conservancy's activity here, you know, it, it, it does feel like in a lot of places, in a lot of ways around the state, and particularly in South Central and in Southeast Alaska, like there are scary things happening in the ocean. And I think they are asking questions in, you know, really tough ways in effect through 
the the lawsuit in the Endangered Species Act petition about like what kind of steps do we need to and can we take to to deal with this? I think the way that they're going about it, where they don't really seem to be engaging with stakeholders and folks that are really connected to and invested in these resources and these fish in Alaska is not endearing them to a lot of those stakeholders. My sense is if you went uh, door to door and Sitka and asked for, did a poll on Wild Fish Conservancy, you probably wouldn't get a lot, a, a high approval rating. You know, it's hard, I think, for Alaskans and as an Alaskan to totally understand what their broader strategy is and are they really trying to engage Alaskans in their work or in some ways are they trying to basically use these sort of legal levers that are out there because they feel like Alaskans aren't taking this seriously and, and aren't going to be partners in their efforts, even if they're those efforts they think are necessary. I think that's an interesting observation, Nat, because a number of high-profile conservation organizations like Salmon State and the Southeast Alaska Conservation Council have come out in opposition to the Wild Fish Conservancy, both the lawsuit and now the ESA listing. In fact, Salmon State took the gloves off and said it's just a, an obvious effort by the Wild Fish Conservancy to, to sort of stick a knife in the back of Southeast commercial trolling. So it does seem like there's an odd imbalance. If it really is an effort to conserve king salmon, why isn't the conservation community more aligned? It feels like at some level, when we talk about the threats to this southern resident killer whale population that the Wild Fish Conservancy says it wants to protect, and threats to Chinook salmon in southeast Alaska and in Puget Sound, I think, you know, a lot of people and people in the Alaska conservation community are very quick to point the finger at Puget Sound area. It's like an urban jungle. And what are you guys doing to stop the runoff of these like nasty PCBs and other contaminants you're getting from like, I guess, car tires that are also like linked to decline in, in the killer whales. And I think you can also look and say, well, really the biggest problem affecting like our entire environment and all of our marine life, whether it's fish or orcas, is a global warming climate change problem. At some level, I can kind of empathize with the approach being taken by Wild Fish Conservancy here, because how do you as like a relatively small conservation advocacy group deal with like urbanization of an entire region of your state and, and, and unwinding that? And similarly, how do you as a small conservation organization deal with the global problem of climate change? It is much easier and, and more convenient to like point the finger at the people that are pulling the fish one by one out of the ocean, even if the science is maybe not conclusive about how much of an impact they're having. And so, I, you know, I don't know. I think it's like this is the kind of thing that we are seeing in broader places than just Alaska as we like deal with these bigger environmental issues, I think, and climate change in particular is that like, you know, you start to get into this kind of blame game and, and finger pointing when the real underlying problems might be things that we actually need to kind of come together and cooperate to resolve. Nat Hers is an independent reporter with the Northern Journal who has covered the Wild Fish Conservancy's troll lawsuit and now its petition to list Alaskan Chinook as endangered. He spoke with KCAW's Robert Woolsey. The Juneau Assembly voted on Monday to oppose part of the city of Huna's plan to create Alaska's 20th organized borough. 
The new borough would take in more than 10,000 square miles of land and water, including Glacier Bay, Chichagoff Island, and more. But a small part of the proposed borough overlaps with territory that the city and borough of Juneau once made an effort to annex. As KTOO's Clarice Larson reports, Juneau Assembly members were split on whether to advocate for the land to remain unorganized or to let it fall under the new borough. The Mansfield Peninsula and Horse and Colt Islands are small pieces of land at the northern tip of Admiralty Island near Juneau. They're lightly populated with just a few homes and cabins. Juneau once explored annexing the area, but dropped the effort in 2019. Now, those parcels are part of a much larger area that the city of Huna hopes to include in a new borough that would include the lands traditionally used by the Huna Clinket clans, a plan that's seen several versions over the last 30 years. On Monday night, the Juneau Assembly voted 5-3 to three to formally oppose the part of Huna's plans that includes the peninsula and the islands. Juneau Mayor Beth Weldon says she's not interested in renewing the effort to annex the area, but she also doesn't want to see it become part of a new borough. I just think that the ties to Juneau are much stronger um, for a variety of reasons than the ties to Huna. The Huna Borough Petition, pronounced like Huna but with a slightly guttural H, would form Alaska's 20th borough. That would likely mean the Huna School District would get more state funding, and it would also allow the borough to implement a 1% seasonal sales tax during the summer cruise season. Right now, the Mansfield Peninsula and the two islands are not part of an organized borough, which means residents are not subject to any local government regulations or taxes. Juno's discussions in 2019 about annexing the area ultimately fizzled out, but they hinged on the idea that the area has strong economic and cultural ties to Juno. Assemblymember Michelle Bonet-Hale says she supports the partial opposition of the plan because it would allow a future assembly to decide if Juno wants to annex it. If we don't file this, we lose the opportunity to petition in the future. So this land then goes to uh, the Huna Borough if the, the Boundary Commission agrees. Assemblymember Alicia Huskandis voted to not oppose Huna annexing the area. She said there's compelling reasons to have the land under Juno's jurisdiction, but not much to gain by keeping it unorganized. It's not adding it to the Juno borough. We're just saying, hey, don't put it in Huna, but also just leave it unorganized. I think Juno is fine as it is, and um, I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to make this comment. Assembly member Wahalkadak Barbara Blake also voted to not oppose the annexation. She said she spoke with Alaska Native leaders in Juneau who supported Huna annexing the land. In the end, the Assembly's formal opposition is only for that specific portion of the land in the Huna annexation plan, but not the overall plan for a new borough. That would mean if the state local boundary commission agrees with Juneau's Assembly petition, it would keep the peninsula and islands in an unorganized borough for now. In Juneau, I'm Clarice Larson. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.